Uh, I'm super excited to be here. My name's Brett. Uh, how, how's, the, uh, how's the best of the best series been going so far? Like, has it been pretty good? Seems pretty lit. I've seen some Insta stories and stuff going on. Uh, I heard some good things. I heard uh, Peter Yoon call me a caveman. What? Is this for real? I heard he said other good things, but that's the one thing that stuck with me. What's that all about? Caveman? Is it the hair? The beard? The massive forehead, strong jaw. It's these pieces, right? I get it. Tell me this. Uh, was Peter Yoon, was he doing this? He was he preaching from up here. And he's getting all up in your face. And he's like, well, you know the word and the gospel. He sits down and starts having a full conversation. It's, I love Peter Yoon. He's so engaging that way. I'll never get off stage again in my whole life. I'm so... Oh, okay. But he's great. Um, I think he, he's got a lot of talent, a lot of blessing. Um, How's uh, Jeremiah? Jeremiah's great. Close friend. I love him. Uh, did he tell a poop story? He told a poop story. The man has unlimited resources of poop stories. He's got so many. I've never laughed so hard at a poop story before. He's, it's a true blessing and a gift that the man has. It's unreal. It's great. Um, what, do you guys think, uh, what do you guys think Chinch's like, favorite thing to talk about is? What does he mention the most? His Beyonce lips. It's got to be the Beyonce lips. The man's got juicy lips. Like, you can't deny it. They're to be talked about. That's for sure. All right. Uh, the best of the best series. Come on. Uh, is it okay to make fun of people if you're a Christian? I think it's all right, right? As long as they're your friend, okay? You can make fun of your friends, right? You can't make fun of someone who's not your friend because that's just mean, which is why I haven't talked about Daniel. We're not friends. Uh, I hope someday, I hope someday we are, but I, I, I don't know him yet. Someday we'll become friends, I'll make fun of him, and it'll be great. Anyway, it's, a, it's an honor to be here. Really, I'm super excited. Uh, me and Mike, we, like you say, we talk a lot. We talk about our churches a lot, and uh, I'm a big fan of Village Youth and everything that's going on here. You guys have crazy services, crazy awesome events, like so many good things going on, and uh, I think it's super fun. I want to do something real fun real quick before we get started. What I want to do, is, I want to do something called mega selfie, okay? So the plan is you're going to take out your phone for the one time only in church. You take out your phone, we're all going to take a selfie, and we're going to take a selfie of everybody taking a selfie in the background, and then post it on your Instagram, your Insta story, whatever you're most comfortable with, but you post it up on there, and then everyone sees how lit this place is, and we can fill these seats, all right? So uh, pull out your phone. Get your story going. You know how it is. Instagram. Get one of these going. Put it on selfie mode because it should be on selfie mode. Go like this and go, what's up, fam? Snap that. Yeah. Put a little caption on there. And post it. You can DM it to people too, whatever, right? Just get the conversation going. It's great. Nice. All right. Um, so uh, I, I pop in here like very sporadically and randomly. I've been to Village a few times here and there. And uh, one thing that always pops into my mind whenever I'm here, I always just think, look at all the potential. The potential is off the chain up in here. It's unreal. Like I see a, I see a service with like this much hype. This is the hypest service I've ever been to in my whole life. This must hype. And I'm like, who wouldn't want to be there? 
Who wouldn't want to be in on that? Who wouldn't want to be jumping up, praising Jesus like that? That's unreal. When you see everyone hanging outside, people making friends, who wouldn't want to be a part of that? There's so many awesome things going on. So I think, look at all the potential. The potential's out of control. But potential is a, is a weird thing. What, what is potential? How do, you, how do you see potential? How do you measure potential? How do you, where does it come from? How do you follow through on it? Like, what is potential? So that's kind of what I want to talk about tonight. This idea of potential and God-given potential. We're going to go on a ride. We're going to talk about potential and what it's all about, where it comes from, and how God wants to use you. So I want to start by telling you two stories about when I was young, because I want you to know how I was when I was young, because it was weird and stuff. But when I was about 11, uh, my mom's friend, she wanted to become a piano teacher. She hadn't taught anyone yet, but she could play. So she offered me to be her first pupil. And I'm like, all right, all right, all right. My instrument uh, capabilities up to this point were I could play the recorder. That's it. You know the recorder? It's like the flute, but not even a flute. It's worse. And it just has like six keys. And it's hot cross buns all day long. Hot cross buns. Hot cross buns. Hot, 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 hot. Cross, 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 cross. Hot cross buns. Right? That was all I knew how to do. So then I'm like, piano. Okay, yeah, I could go for being one of those piano wizards who's just like playing everything. I could be that guy. That sounds pretty cool. I'm going to try this out. So I go to uh, the first lesson, and we start learning. She starts teaching me like very basic piano keys and things. I don't remember. She's telling me like what they're called and things like that. And I'm like, listen, I don't need any of this. I just want to be a pro. Teach me how to be a pro. I want to be the best in the world. And then she, the the, the uh, lesson kind of ends, and she's like, okay, now you need to go and practice tonight. And I'm like, what? Practice? You didn't? We didn't? There's no one said practice. You just said you're going to teach me to piano. I didn't know I had to practice. So that night I went home. I did not practice. And I went to my mom and I said, I quit. And I quit. And then I'm uh, not a piano wizard to this day. I don't know anything about pianos. Another story. I was, uh, again, growing up, I, uh, I played sports, a lot of different sports. And my dad put me in different things, hockey, baseball, things like that. Uh, a lot of them didn't stick. And then I started playing soccer in, like, grade five, you know, I'm like kicking the ball and in the elementary school, I'm looking like Pele out there. So I'm like, I'm about to hit the big leagues. So I join a league and I start playing and uh, we're, we're pretty good. You know, we're in uh, the silver league, which is like dead middle average. But in this silver league, we are dominating. I'm like, we didn't lose a single game. Like we're owning all these, we're running circles around the other team. Somehow, I don't know how, our goalie scored a goal How's that happen? We're that good, okay? Keep in mind, we're 10 years old, so how good can you really be? We were the best. And, uh, we're, but we're, like, dominating this. So you got to imagine our parents, uh, the coach, you know, everyone watching, they're thinking, what's the potential of this team? They could go on. They could win it all. They could be the best team of all time. That's what I thought. That's what everyone was thinking about our team. So then we, we, we did really well that year. The next year, uh, you're supposed to move up to gold, right? Silver, gold, that makes sense. Our coach was like, nah, you guys are too good for that. We're going up to Metro. That's like we skipped the grade, you know? So we went up high. And then uh, in that season, it was, uh, that was not a good season. It just did not go well. We didn't win a single game. Every single game was heartbreaking. We were getting destroyed left and right. We didn't want to play. We didn't want to be there. We didn't want to go to practice. Uh, I had this strategy that um, if, uh, say, the ball was far away and I had to run for it, 
I would kind of stop halfway and be like, <gasps> coach, sub me out. I'm out of breath. Sub me out. And I would try to get subbed right away because I just did not want to play. I would fake injuries so that I wouldn't have to play. <laughs> That's how bad we all hated this game. Uh, you know how soccer players are kind of known for faking injuries to get penalties? I fake injuries so I don't have to play. Uh, but that was, uh, that was my soccer career, and that was exactly where it ended. And you got to kind of wonder, where did the potential go? What happened? Both of those instances, like what, what went on there, right? You, we, you can have all the potential in the world, but if you give up, if you don't follow through, if, you, if something hard comes along and you don't keep at it, then what happens? Potential's worthless. It's gone. It's what's the use, right? If you don't give it your passion, then, then what, uh, what good is it? And in both examples that I gave, it's like one, one like bump in the road and I'm quitting. I'm not, I couldn't, couldn't keep going. I wasn't having fun anymore or something. So I'm quitting, right? So when things got hard, I lacked the determination or the work ethic to keep going, to make it through, to, to get, to see where my potential even went. Uh, which brings me to my first point tonight, which is our real potential starts on the inside. Because you can have all the, you can look great on the inside, you can have it all looking good on the outside, but your potential's actually on the inside. Because you gotta make, you gotta have that something on the inside to get through. So it doesn't matter how talented, how good looking, how great somebody is on the outside, it's what's on the inside that causes potential to become reality, to actually get followed through on. So there's this uh, famous story in the Bible about a guy, his name is King David, KD for short, Dave. My man, uh, he was the king of Israel for 40 years. That's a long time. Uh, he was known as a man after God's own heart. So you know he's righteous, right? He wrote a bunch of the Psalms in the Bible. And, uh, you know, these are like uh, talking to God, what God's heart is like, things like that. And before he was the king, he was, uh, he was the general of the king's army. Before that, he, he's the guy who went and defeated Goliath, David and Goliath, classic. And before that, he was just a shepherd boy. He's a shepherd boy. So I want to talk about how he got his start, where, he, where did he come from, and how, how did he go on to do all these amazing things, right? So how this all goes down, there's a, uh, there's a, a man named Samuel, and he's chatting with God. And God tells him, Samuel, my man, I need you to go find a guy named Jesse who's got a bunch of sons. One of those sons is going to be the next king. So you got to go find Jesse. Ask him about his sons, meet his sons. One of them is going to be the next king. So uh, Samuel rolls up on Jesse's crib. You know, he's, he walks up on in and Jesse's got eight sons. That's a lot. So the odds are looking good, right? And as he's walking up, before anything's even happened, he sees Eliab, who's the oldest son. And Eliab's a legend. Eliab is, he's got it all going on. Eliab is where it's at. And he sees Eliab and uh, this guy, like, he's a... Uh, He's handsome, he's tall, he's built, he's the oldest, so you know he's the wisest and the smartest, right? So he's like, he's the guy. If you come to this house looking for a king, like Eliab is the obvious, obvious choice. Like, look at him, look at the potential in this guy, right? I imagine as, uh, as Samuel is walking up, Eliab is just standing out in the field, and for some reason, he's uh, curling haystacks, and then... Samuel, just like, oh, wow, that guy, wow, he looks good. Yeah, I imagine him kind of like Dwayne the Rock Johnson, you know, staggeringly tall, muscles that don't even make sense. That's Eliab. So this is who he sees. Samuel's eyes light up. He's like, oh, man, 
that guy, look at him. This guy's got to be the one because he sees it. He sees the potential. He sees it on the outside. So his eyes light up. But check what happens, okay? First Samuel 16, verse 6 to 7. We got a verse. I believe we're going to, oh, wow. It says, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. So you see what happened here? Like Samuel walks up and he sees Eliab and he thinks this is the guy. This is it. He saw him from the outside and he said, this guy looks like he could be the one. But then God pipes in and he says, I don't, I don't look at the outside. I look at the heart. And as long as I've been... Uh, Reading through the Bible, there's this theme that just keeps on coming up, and it's that God cares about your heart. He looks at your heart. He wonders, how's your heart doing? Where's your heart at? And he looks at your heart. The Lord looks at the heart. So needs to say, he says, it's not that guy. It's not that guy. So Jesse, he goes, okay, I'll bring my next boy out. So he brings his next son out, and Samuel's like, nah, it's not him. He brings his next son out, and he's like, nah, this guy, nope. Brings the next son out, uh-uh. He brings seven of his eight sons out, and, uh, Sam, and it's not any one of them. And Samuel literally says, the Lord has not chosen these. And he gets to the point where he goes, do you have any more sons? It's like, do you got any more? You got one more. You got any more sons? Like, it's not any of these. And uh, Jesse, what he kind of does in this point is uh, he goes, well, uh, there's one more, but, like, he's out in the field tending the sheep right now. So do you even want to meet him? Like, he's the shepherd. He's the shepherd. And which is code for he's the runt. He's the least. He's the nobody. He's the weakest. In their society back then, it's like when you got a big family like that, and uh, the shepherd is the person who, like, can't do anything else. They're not strong enough to do anything else. They don't got any other talents. So it's like, you're just the lowest. You've got nothing going for you. You can be the shepherd. Because literally, anyone can be the shepherd. There's not much to it. So that's who David is in this. It's, it's the, the worst job you can have that anyone can do. And on top of that, he's the youngest. And this Hebrew word for youngest at the time means uh, it's not just your age, but it implies insignificance and unimportance. That ruffles my feathers a bit because I'm the youngest in my family. That's not, but I guess that's how it was back then. So that's how they're viewing this guy. David, he's just the shepherd boy. He's unimportant. He's insignificant. Do you even want to meet him? Like Jesse won't even bring him out. Doesn't even want him there. And uh, I read this story and uh, I don't know about you guys, but all I can think about is like, this is Cinderella. This is Cinderella, right? The prince has come looking for his princess and then, you, the, the mean old woman shows the, the good daughters. Meanwhile, Cinderella's in the back. But they're not showing Cinderella. Bring Cinderella out, right? I'm pretty sure Cinderella ripped this story right off. So Jesse's like, bruh, I show you my seven good sons. And that's it. Like, you don't, you don't even, there's one more, but like probably maybe not. It's Cinderella. Bible said it first. Uh, in other words, so Je Jesse's opinion of David is like so low, right? What, is his, what does he think David's potential is at this point? 
almost zero Zippo, nothing. He's like, this guy's not, definitely doesn't think he's got potential to be the king because he doesn't want to bring him out. So Samuel's like, doesn't matter. I got to see this guy. I got to see him. Send for him. Get him in here. We got to see this guy. Uh, so 1 Samuel 16, 12 says, so he sent for him and had brought in and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. Mm, that's God. Samuel didn't say that. The Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So God saw something in him, in his heart, because God looks at the heart. God saw something in him and said, this is the one. And then it says the, the Holy Spirit fell on him powerfully. Powerfully. David goes on. He goes on to do all those things. That's time, about, right? He, he defeats Goliath. He becomes the general. He becomes the king. He leads the people for super long. And he's a, a life close to God, right? Because God sees his heart. And God sees the potential in his heart. And God sees what this guy can do and what he's going to be. And he's, once God sees your heart, once he sees that and he sees is good, He's going to lead you through the rest. He takes him through the rest, and he guides him through the rest. And he empowers him through the rest. But it starts with him looking at his heart. So I think sometimes we look at ourselves. Where are we at? What am I good at? What are my talents? What, what use am I? What is my potential? And there's often things that hold you back. So I ask you the question, what are the things in your life that hold you back? What are the things that are making you not step out? And, and live in your potential? What flaws or shortcomings do you have that are limiting you, or that you think are holding you back? And who in your life has told you that you're just the, the lowly shepherd boy and they don't even want to give you a chance? Who, what is that? What's keeping you from living a, a bold life following Jesus right here, right now? What's keeping you? What's holding you back? Because David, like, he's not perfect. He wasn't perfect. He's not a perfect guy. No one's perfect. There's seven other brothers that kind of fit the mold better than he did on the outside, in the appearance. Like, he wasn't the perfect choice either. But that's kind of the, the, the first thing is, like, you don't have to look perfect. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to be the perfect fit to say yes to God. You don't have to have it all together, right? And once you do, once you say yes, he's going to be there with you. And the, the potential that you have becomes limitless. Because God is with you in it. And God's got no limits. And your potential then comes from God. Your potential comes from God. There's a verse in uh, 1 Corinthians 4 verse 7 that I want to go through. It says, for who do you know that really knows you? Knows your heart. And even if they did, is there anything they would discover in you that you could take credit for? Is there anything they would discover you that you could take credit for? Because isn't everything you have, everything you are, Sheer gifts from God. So what's the point of all this comparing, competing? You already have all you need. You already have more access to God than you can handle. More than you can handle. So, so oftentimes we'll look around and, and we'll see everyone else. And you might think like these people, they're all so outgoing. They're all so friendly. 
They're also, they got so much going for them. They got so much talent. Like, they look like they're on fire for God. Like, where'd that, how did they get that? Where'd that come from? What is that? Everyone's just oozing with, like, confidence. And, like, where, how, but that's not me. And that's not where I'm at, right? We can't help compare ourselves to everything we see, all these people around us and where they're at and how they're doing. And we think why, and we think it's because, well, they're just like that. They got talent. They got charisma. They got confidence. They got it all. So that's why they are. But let me tell you, no one has ever been used by God unless they said yes. That's why it is. No one's ever been used by God. The only reason is because they said yes. God puts this call on, on each and every one of our lives, but not everybody says yes. Not everyone says yes to that call. Uh, I grew up going to a, a, a youth Similar to this, it was bumping, it was great. Lots of great people, lots of people on fire for God. It was like engaging, uh, it was awesome. Um, I went back to my public school and the next six days of the week, I got nothing to do with God. There's, there's nothing there. I didn't live it out, I didn't do anything more. Uh, but, I, but I loved the church, I loved the people in the church. And I used to look around and I would think, uh, you know, that's good for them. That's good. Like, they're, that's amazing. Look at these people. That's great. Look what they're doing. But that's just not me. Like, I don't have the, I don't have the confidence to, to do that kind of stuff. I don't have the confidence to go meeting people and the boldness to, to stand apart. I don't have the talents that they do. Like, I'm not gifted in those ways. I'm not really that friendly. I just want to sit in the back and crack jokes to my one friend. That's me. That's what I do. So that's, they can keep doing what they're doing. But my answer at that point was already... No. Just call on my life, but I was answering no, because I was like, it's just not me. It's them, but it's not me. So before God, uh, before I even gave God a chance, I was already saying no. I was challenged to every single week. It's like, live for Jesus. Invite your friends out. Uh, like, you can, there's so many things you can be doing, but I never actually did. It wasn't much until much later in my life where I started to say yes. And then ever since then, it's like God's guiding your life. He's building you up. He's empowering you. He's just like, it's unreal how God starts to impact your life as soon as you start to say, yes, that I, I want this. I want to I know Jesus. I want to live more for him. And watch God take control of your life and empower you and grow you. It's unbelievable. The only reason anyone's ever been used by God is because they said yes. Just because they said Yes. Now, when you, uh, when you decide that you want to follow Jesus, you're given all the potential you could ever need. Like, the potential starts to overflow. You're, you're given that because, like, there's, there's very practical things. Like, you can rest assured knowing that Jesus has got your back, that he's with you, that he's got a plan for you. You can be bold and confident knowing that he's with you. He's helping you in everything that you do. You can be content with knowing who you are because you know God created you the way that you are. So be pleased with yourself. You get all these things, and these come from knowing who Jesus is, and then he starts to speak those things and make them a reality in your life. And if you're sitting out here right now, and I, I quickly mention those things, and you're like, I don't know if I feel that way. I don't know if I have that. Or I've never decided that I want to know Jesus before. We're going to have a moment in just a bit later where I'm going to give you the opportunity to know Jesus, to, to enter into that, to start a relationship with him tonight. Uh, but before we get into that, there's one last aspect that I want to touch on when it comes to potential, and that is uh, this, this, the aspect potential that's in you and how that comes alive and what that means for us, right? So there's this verse in Luke, and this verse has been on my mind for a long time, 
and I got really excited to, to share it here. I thought it was very applicable to what we're talking about. It's in uh, Luke 12, 48. It says, when someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. Hmm. This has been on my mind. So I was thinking about it a lot. I want to take a quick poll, all right? I need you to be completely honest, okay? I don't want you to think. I don't want you to think about the people around you, what they might be thinking. I just want you to be honest, okay? Just, just, just be honest with me, all right? Throw your hand up if you have ever wanted to be Spider-Man. Come on. Come on. Back in uh, 2002, Tobey Maguire put on that spider suit. Come on, we all want to be Spider-Man. Like I could, I've always thought I'd make a real good Spider-Man. Anyone who didn't put their hand up, what are you thinking? You, everyone wants to be Spider-Man. I've always thought I'd make a good Spider-Man. I'm uh, pretty lanky, so you know I got that going for me. Uh, in elementary school, the monkey bars were my domain. That was my kingdom. I was the monkey king, so I know you know I can swing. Okay, I got pretty good reflexes. So couple that with some spider senses, you got yourself a hero, okay? I think I could do it. I just need the radioactive spider. That's all I'm missing right now. But there's a famous line in Spider-Man, the show, the comic, all of it. You've probably heard it. Uncle Ben comes in clutch, and he says this thing. It sticks with Peter. It is with great power comes great responsibility. You heard that? Classic, right? Uh, it sounds a lot like the verse that we just read. If you think about it, it said, when someone is given much, much will be required. With great power, great responsibility. The Bible said it first. Everyone's ripping off the Bible these days. The Bible said it first. With great power comes great responsibility. I hear that in Spider-Man terms. I get pretty amped up. I'm like, yeah, I like that. Spider powers. I love responsibility. Give it to me. I'm going to be Spider-Man. But it's a bit scarier than that. You know, that's spider powers. I want to step into the responsibility of spider powers. But uh, what about a call from God on the way you live your life? What about that? You can be given all the potential in the world, but you got to say yes to that call. Because God, he's, he's given you something amazing, right? God's given you himself. He's given you, he's with you. He's there. You have the potential to do incredible, incredible things with your life. But have you stepped into that potential? Are you living with that boldness that comes from God? Do you have that as a reality in your life? Do you have the confidence and the, the power of the Holy Spirit with you in every step? Or has nothing really changed and you're just still the same? You don't feel that in your life? Have you responded to that potential that can be inside of you? And have you stepped into it? See, God, there's this thing about God, and uh, two little people know this, but God has this unbelievable thing called grace about him and grace and the way that grace works in our life and it's this unbelievable amount of love and he cares so much for each and every person and he, his heart breaks for anyone who doesn't know how much he loves them and yet there's so many people out there it's, it's unfortunate there's so many people who think that God is like upset that he's angry that he's up in the clouds and he's just pointing fingers down at everyone and he just wants to punish people he wants to smite people that's their image of God they think he hates sin I sin so he must hate me that's how everyone is thinking about God and what he's like but that's not him at all if you open your Bible and you and you look at Jesus you listen to what he says you realize very quickly that's not him that's not what he's like. You see that God loves you. 
God loves everybody, and he wants to know you. You see God send Jesus down to die on a cross for our sins, to wipe your sins clean. Because not because your sins are condemning you, because your sins are the, the are the end of it, and now you're gonna you're you're done for. It's that Jesus came and He wipes those sins clean. That's how much God loves us, and His heart's breaking for anyone who doesn't know that. But yet, there's still so many people out there who just don't know this, who wander through life and they're they're broken, they're hurt, they have no idea this this love, right? They're consumed with sin, they live an empty life, and they're not that interested in, in getting to know more, right? So then there's Jesus, who's given us this power, this responsibility, this, this empowerment in our life, right? And he, and he says, you be messengers in this world. He sends us out. He says, we got, a, we got a mission right now. We got people out there who don't know who God is. And I want you to be a part of it. I want you to help. I want you to, to share with these people. And he's impacted each and every one of our lives. And each one of our lives is unique and different, and we have our own story, and he wants you to, to use that story to glorify his kingdom, to share with people, to, to reach more and more people. You are a messenger of Jesus. You are. You got that. That's part of your life. That's part of your identity. First uh, Peter 4, verse 10, it says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So we all got gifts. Each has been given a gift. And my next point is that not all of our gifts are the same, you know. Uh, I, I've, in times in my life, I've looked around and I've been like, I really want that gift. I wish I had that skill, that talent. When I was growing up, my older brother was, uh, he's super good with artsy stuff, you know. He's good at drawing and things. He could draw Sonic the Hedgehog and Dragon Ball Z like no one else, and it blew my mind. And then there's me. He's my older brother, so I want to be just like him. I want those talents, those gifts. I would take a piece of paper, I'd put it on top, and I'd trace it. <laughs> That's all I got. I got no artistic ability. So I would just trace it because I wanted that gift. I want that thing. But God has given you your own gifts. God's given you your own story, your own life. He's given you your own thing. You're unique. You're different from everyone else. God's been equipping you your whole life to be you, to have the things that you have, He's given your own talents, your own gifts, different from everybody else's. And he's actually less concerned with what's on the outside. He's concerned with your heart. Where's your heart at in all this? What does your heart want? What does your heart long for? Where does your heart go for? How does your heart respond to the call that Jesus has on it? Does your heart want to follow Jesus? Does your heart want to say yes to being a part of his kingdom, to being a part of God's mission? Because you might not realize it right now, but God has crafted you to be just as you are. And you're his masterpiece. Uh, in Ephesians 2, verse 10, it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You're his, his handiwork, his masterpiece. He's created you to be you. And he's got a plan. He's got a purpose. He's, he's, got, he's got things for you to do. He's, he wants to use you. He wants you in on the mission. He wants to be in your life. He wants to be guiding you. He wants to be growing. He wants to be building you up. He wants that. Do you want it? Does your heart want it? Do you want to follow? Do you want to step into that? Because he made you like you are. He made you on purpose as you are. And you can live a life that, that lives for God, that furthers his kingdom, that pleases God. That's, that's something that I want to step, step into. But all you got to do, you just got to say yes to that call. Where's your heart? What's your heart at? 
you guys say yes. Uh, I want to invite the band to uh, work their way up just as I close up here. Um, I want to say I don't pretend to know everything about your life and everything that you're going through and the things that you struggle with and the, the things that are in your life or things you deal with, the problems you have, the things that hold you back or the sins you struggle with. I don't know all those things, but God knows and he wants to be there with you. He wants to care for you. He wants to love you. He wants to free you from your anxieties and your fears and these things that hold you back and limit you. And he wants to give you this potential to, to be released of those things and give you a good life in him. He wants to take you forward. He wants to do big things through you. And the very last thing you got to know is that uh, everyone who's ever became a Christian, anyone who's ever become a, a leader or done anything, who's decided to say yes to, to the call that God has on their life, it's not because they're perfect. It's not because they got everything all together and they had the perfect look, the perfect fit. It's, it's not that. It's, the, it's God's grace. God has this insane thing called grace. That It means no matter what mistakes you've made, no matter what mess-ups you have in your life, no matter what sins you struggle with, he's willing to forgive you. He's going to redeem you. He's going to take you out of it. He's going to build you up. He's, he's going to forgive you, and you can live a life that glorifies him. The, the first step is not cleaning yourself up. The first step is running towards Jesus and saying, I need you. Maybe this whole time I've been uh, talking a bit about uh, being used by God, and all you've been thinking is, like, I don't think God wants to use me, really. Like, I'm not... I'm not in a place to be used by God. I'm still struggling with these things, and I'm not sure I'm doing well in this area, and I don't know if God wants to, to use me. I'm not ready to be used by God. I need to get rid of the sin or whatever, anything like that. And that's a very, very common feeling. That's not unusual. That's a, a normal thing that a lot of people think. And yes, we, we want to get as far away from sin as possible, but so often we think the first thing that we got to do is run away from sin. First thing we got to do is run to Jesus. That's the first thing that we do. And his grace is so big and so huge that it's going to forgive us over and every single time. He's always willing to forgive you. Uh, so tonight I want to do, do two things. Okay? The first one is I want to give you a chance to know Jesus. If you don't know him, then I want to give you a chance to know him. And the second thing is that I want to give you a chance to step into your potential tonight. So I want to ask uh, that everyone would just bow their heads just out of uh, privacy and respect for the, the people around you. The first part, this is for anyone here who, who wants to know Jesus. If you want to follow Jesus, maybe uh, you've never made this decision before and tonight you, you want to know him. You want to know who this guy is. You want to have that in your life. You want to have that, the goodness that he has for you. Uh, maybe, maybe you've made this decision before, but it just hasn't really been a, a reality in your life, and you want to recommit, and you want to make it real this time, and you want to follow Jesus. It doesn't matter what shortcomings you have, what mistakes you've made. Tonight, you can be forgiven right here, right now, and you can start a relationship with God of the universe. So if you want to have Jesus in your life, then I want to ask that you just raise your hand so, you can, so I can see it, and I'd like to pray for you. Is there anyone here tonight that wants to make that decision? That's great. I see that one. Sweet. It's awesome. It's good. I see your hand too. You can put that one down. So good. Come on, somebody. That's the best decision of your life. Is there anyone else who just wants to know Jesus? 
If you haven't made that decision before, that just says, I want to know who Jesus is. I want to follow him. I want Jesus in my life. This is the time for that. That's good. If you uh, put your hand up, follow along with this prayer with me. God, I know I haven't been perfect. I know that I've made mistakes and I know that I've sinned. I'm sorry, God, but I want to turn away from my sins and I want to know you. Please forgive me and help me to follow you closer. I believe that when Jesus died, he died for my sins and that I'm given a new life in Jesus. God, I want to follow Jesus with all that I am. And in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so just keep your heads bowed for just a bit longer. Um, the second part is if you want to step into God's call for your life. Maybe you felt it, but you've never embraced it or you haven't given it all or you haven't stepped out of your comfort zone or you, you, you felt that, but you're, you're struggling to take that, that step or, or maybe you've never had the opportunity before or maybe you're here and you just want more. If that's you, can you raise your hand and I'd like to just pray for you. That's awesome. It's good. That's great. Lots of hands going up. And I think that's amazing because the, the potential in this church is not about the outside. It's about the inside and the hearts that want more of Jesus. Let's pray. God, we pray that you, you lead us closer to you. God, we pray that you empower us to be followers of Christ. God, fill these hearts with your love so it just overflows to the people around them. And God, I pray that you give us boldness and courage to, to step out of our comfort zones and, and step into who you want us to be. God, you've given us so much already and we thank you for your love and your grace. And God, I pray that our hearts will just be faithful in following your call on our lives. God, remind us that who you are and that you're with us through it all. Empower us to, to be followers of Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.